If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today, we are delighted to have Dr. Jay Bhattacharya in here, professor of medicine at Stanford University. He is a physician, but he is known for research, where he's a research associate at the National Bureau of Economics Research, senior fellow at the Stanford Institute for Economic Policy Research, and the at the Stanford Freeman Spoli Institute. Uh, his research typically is uh, focused on economics of healthcare, but he's had some uh, important things to say about our approach to this pandemic. And I had the opportunity to interview him once before, and I'm so fascinated to hear how his point of view has changed and, and progressed. And uh, look very forward to this conversation. Our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Anyone who's watched me over the years knows that I'm obsessed with Hydrolyte. In my opinion, the best oral rehydration product on the market. I literally use it every day. My family uses it. When I had COVID, I'm telling you, Hydrolyte contributed to my recovery, kept me hydrated. Now, with things finally reopening back around the country, the potential exposure to the common cold is always around. And like always, Hydrolyte has got your back. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity, my new favorite, starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients Plus, each single-serving easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C, 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity comes in convenient, easy-to-pour sticks that rapidly dissolve in water, make a great-tasting drink, has 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink, uses all-natural flavors, gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy, or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolyte.com slash drdrew. Again, that is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash D-R-D-R-E-W. Be sure to use the code drdrew25 for a special discount. Uh, Dr. Bhattacharya, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Dr. Drew. Nice to be here. So let's start out with that. Uh, how uh, last time I talked to you, um, there was a lot of head shaking. Like, we, how did we get here? What's going on? Why did we make the choices we made? Uh, concerns about some of the choices, and and again, some of the positions have been sort of extreme, even coming up to the present moment. And there, there's a lot of continued head shaking. Uh, I've had people, I've interviewed people like Arthur Kaplan, who was very actively involved in advising some of the policy positions. Arthur's a medical ethicist at uh, Hopkins or NYU, NYU. And uh, he said, I said, you know, why did they make these decisions? He said, oh, oh, it was panic. It was panic. And I thought, wow, that is the worst possible answer. If we're making medical decisions based on panic, I, I am gravely, gravely concerned. And I continue to be concerned that that panic has become a guiding principle in the public health decision making. 
uh, where where do you see things today? I, let, let's start with, for instance, I, wherever you like. We can do lockdowns, you know, mandates of vaccines, masking in children. Pick your poison. Why don't we start with lockdowns? Because uh, they're starting to come back uh, in places all through all through Europe, actually. Um, the, uh, the 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 lockdowns did not work. We should start with that. If you if you what you right. what you want to uh, like think about is did they slow the stop the spread of the disease? Obviously, it's failed. It's failed basically everywhere. Uh, it's it's uh, it, you know even places that where there was supposed to success like Australia and New Zealand, the disease is, is there. Um, what, what they have done is cause absolutely catastrophic damage to the health of the population everywhere they've been tried. Right, so there was a story just the other uh, last week that uh, there were a hundred thousand deaths from drug overdoses in the United States. Right, right. That's a that's a lockdown death. That is a lock. Those are lockdown death. How, how dare how dare you say that? Yeah, at least the <laughs> the, the acceleration of overdose deaths. Uh, you know, we've gone from what seventy to hundred over the course of the pandemic. I'd say. Yeah, I agree. And and yeah, by the way, the slope is quite. It's asymptotic. It's actually asymptotic. It's not just a stable yeah, slope. It's getting. It's accelerating. If you look at the, the data, it's like it, it coincides with the institutional lockdown in, in March or March of last year. I mean, it's it starts it starts that steep slope. You know, people got depression uh, plays an important role in those kinds of overdoses and the acceleration of them, as you say. Um, the 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 and you know the last time around in two thousand and eight during the financial collapse, uh, we had these deaths of despair. Well, what are these? Mm -hmm. I mean, are the lockdowns, the panic that the lockdowns caused are are leading to these deaths of despair. You know, w women are now coming in with breast cancer at later stages that should have been picked right. up last year because we skip we skip mammograms. Um, that's true for men right. and women for colon cancer. Uh, we're seeing right. uh, catastrophic learning loss for children, especially poor children. That, that's that's the where I'm concerned. That that's the bigger issue I think of, on the long the long durée, so to speak, because you know we are particularly the underserved and particularly people who are typically underserved are being grotesquely underserved. And I would I would call it a racist policy because clearly there's a systemic racist component to this. Why people who are concerned about these, these things don't call that out, I, I don't understand, but okay. Uh, but it's going to create poverty. It's going to create, uh, you know, the, when I also when I look, by the way, so there's one thing it was the educational disparities and the poverty that's going to create. But the second thing, when you look at the data of eight to 15 year olds and their anxiety and depression skills, it's going crazy. It's, it's off the chain. And so we also so we have mental health crisis on top of developmental educational crises. I'll, I'll let you comment. I mean, it's the biggest contributors to to inequality since I mean, you can pick your th segregation. I mean, it, it's. It is devastating, right? I mean, in fact, that's the dirty secret of lockdowns, right? So how do lockdowns actually work in real practice? Well, in theory, it's like, oh, we, we all stay apart and we stop the disease. In practice, what it is is a certain class of people, they get protected. I can work from home, but someone's making my food, someone's delivering it to me, someone's delivering the Amazon boxes, mm -hmm. someone's keeping society going. Well, that that's like 70% of the population, the working class, where the lockdown just exposes them Right? And, and harms them. And, and for schools, it was public schools that closed preferentially in California. Private schools, many of them stayed open. Many, uh, richer parents got tutors to replace. They got pods to replace. Uh, poor kids mm -hmm. basically had to suffer. Um, and you're absolutely right. 
the long-term consequences are, are terrible, right? So if you, you don't just have schooling loss and you have nothing comes out of it, the kid doesn't learn how to read, well, that has a knock-on effects that, that last a very long time. They're not so resilient that we, that we can catch up very easily. Um, and this 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 will lead to shorter lives for these kids, poor because they'll be poorer. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think these are these are the kind of like second order effects that you would think about as uh, if you weren't panicked, and yet we we keep right. panicking whenever we see cases go up. Right. Yes. So so what is wrong with our public health professionals or their training? And by the way. The astonishing thing to me is it's not just the United States. It seems to be public health, you know, uh, practitioners all over the globe, at least on the Western globe, that they seem unable to make a risk reward analysis. Unable. Uh, so, so, so my, I guess my big question is what, what's wrong with them, and why do they go back to lockdowns? I mean, I think part of this is is policy hysteresis, by which I mean, like, once you've stuck yourself into a into a path, it's really hard to get off of the path, right? So. Uh, Arthur Kaplan's right. We panicked in March of 2020, and then the panic resulted in lockdowns, which didn't solve the problem. And mm-hmm. there are people with big egos, lots of power, that say, "Well, you know, I, I can't admit I was wrong." And you mm-hmm. know, they also have they, they're blind to second order effects. That's that's pretty clear. They're blind to the harms these these collateral harms of the lockdowns, um, and uh, so they just keep doing it. They're in power, and they they won't they won't they won't let go. Uh, and that's true. In, 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 huge like all through europe it's you're seeing like you know, austria has had this crazy is this lockdown we're seeing lockdowns reimposed everywhere in, in response to the case rises even though last year they did very little to actually stop stop very much of the, the, the spread of the disease and and i my there's a sort of a pragmatic piece of this i think that might change the direction of these people that can't change direction or admit they're wrong which is that when they really see the what abraham lincoln used to call the public mind when the public mind really turns against them then they start worrying about their job then maybe they'll change directions well we, i think there is some hope around that front so like the the election in virginia i believe centered i mean everyone talked about crt i actually think it was school closures was the fundamental thing because mm-hmm. regular people not involved with politics their kids skipped i think virginia had the seventh most missed school days in 2020 2021 seventh most in the country mm. um mm. so it's not surprised that parents in virginia said what the heck these people that have made a commitment to to, to educating my kids failed in that commitment I mean, some, there's, and you look around, you see, you know, Florida had all its kids in school all year with basically, the, you know, the same results as far as COVID is concerned, but much better results for the kids. Um, so, right. I, I mean, I can, I completely. Why can't we look at that? Be- Why can't anybody admit that? Wait, wait, you said something publicly just now that is is uh, anathema. It's it's a uh, sa- it's a uh, uh, what what should we call that? Uh, uh, you're a sinner. What's what? What do we call when, when you're when people get off the uh, the uh, uh, that we? Oh crap! I can't think of the language for this, but oh, it's religious language, really. Why can't you talk? What is it? It's, I'm a heretic. Apostate. That's, that's, you're a, you're apostate. That's the I'm word I was looking for. You're an apostate. How how dare you say that about Florida? That's that's the impossible. How dare you? I mean, it's it's actually stunning, right? You look at the data. Florida's been through four big COVID waves. California's been through three big COVID waves. The age-adjusted death rate from Florida and California are almost identical from COVID deaths. The mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, 
excess death rates, by excess deaths, I mean, uh, you look at how many deaths there were from 2015 to 2019, and that's your baseline. How many deaths above and beyond that were there in 2020, 2021 um, in Florida versus California? It's almost identical. Florida and California have had the same number of excess deaths. So what have we gained from this 18 months of panic in in California, whereas Florida has been free? Their unemployment rate's 4%, ours is 7%. Uh, we are their their kids were in school 100%. Our kids skipped more or less a full almost a full 180 days. I mean, like you may, maybe they went in for 10 days. Um, we uh, have got our businesses are are crushed. Uh, our our health services on other health priorities have been have been skipped. What did we gain from this? We honestly, what did we gain? I'm I'm actually I, and I think you're right. It's going to be the people that pull us out of this, not the elite. Are you is somebody doing research to post postmortem this to really publish data and in peer reviewed settings to to really address these questions? Yeah, that's that's starting to happen. So I, I'm working with a group in the UK. Right. Uh, it's a charity actually called the called collateralglobal.org, and we're commissioning research to document. So one of the things, for instance, we did we commissioned was childhood vaccinations. Turns out, childhood vaccinations like MMR, DPT, vaccines that are absolutely vital for public health, that's collapsed around, uh, in, in develop, both in developed countries and developing countries, less so in developed countries, but certainly in developing countries. A huge deficit in, in kids getting basic vaccines, again, because of the lockdowns. We, we closed down our access to healthcare so that kids wouldn't get vaccines. Um, it's so short-sighted, Drew, I can't even begin to I, I, but yeah, but there is there is yeah. research starting to yeah. happen, and it's gonna, the story is going to come out. Yeah. It's starting to come out already. And the World Health Organization, in the middle of the pandemic, came down hard against lockdowns and then shut up. <laughs> I found that bizarre. <laughs> they, they were like, absolutely, just contributes to poverty. Don't do it. And then they started. I, I, I don't know what their position was, but well, that was, but that, let me know, ask you this. So, oh, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say they no, just, no, they, that, that was that interesting. I wrote, a, I wrote a piece called, called The Great Barrington Declaration in October of last year, October 2020, and uh, it called essentially for an end to lockdowns, uh, focus protection for the vulnerable, end to lockdowns, vulnerable meaning older people who actually are at, are at high risk from COVID. Um, and uh, it's in response to that, that some people in the WHO said, no, no, we don't actually support lockdowns. We shouldn't do a lockdown. It hurts the poor. It's not a good idea. Then they changed mm-hmm. their mind. They shifted mm-hmm. their strategy. They we, they changed the definition of herd immunity to say, oh, natural mm-hmm. infections doesn't induce immunity, which is, I mean, mm-hmm. anti, like anti-science doesn't begin to describe it. Like, you know, hundreds of hundred years of like immunology thrown out the window. Um, and uh, uh, and they went back essentially to a tacit policy arguing for lockdowns or at least not strongly pushing up against them. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, and it's and the consequences are tragic. Like pork, look at what's happened in Peru. They've had the war, the, like one of the strictest lockdowns in the world. They have the highest death rate from COVID in the world, and they've devastated the poor. Um, it's it is absolutely mind-boggling what we've done. We, uh, public health needs to get on his knees and apologize for what we've done to the world. Well, I I, I agree. I, I I saw that from the beginning. Now, I, I misjudged some of the elements of the virus, but I could see what public health was doing. And by the way, the other thing that Art Kaplan said was that if if China, if Wuhan didn't do what they did, we wouldn't have done what we did. So literally, the, Ch- the Chinese Communist par- Party, which looked to me like they were activating something they had rehearsed, like this was a rehearsed 
procedure should something get out of a lab trucks going down the streets with chlorine i mean it was a it looked highly orchestrated now they could do that from the ground up i guess very quickly the way they're constituted where they're constituted but it looked rehearsed it looked like we have this all on hand should an emergency arrive out from that lab and that becomes our public health policy that that's like it's too much to be believed almost I mean, it did. It looked uh, like a propaganda campaign to me. Uh, I, I, I've said not not quite at the time, but like in retrospect. Um, and but at the same time, you saw like in I think it was like February, we saw these images out of Italy, which were shocking, right? You saw mm -hmm. we, we saw coffins lined up in cathedrals. We saw overwhelmed hospital systems, and so people. I think the World Health Organization. You can see it in Fauci's Trevor, treasure trove of emails that were released to BuzzFeed. Um, they panicked around, they looked at China, they looked at Italy, and they said, oh gosh, uh, we don't want to be like Italy, we want to be like China. And China locked down. And, and, it, and in what world, and let's just, let's just, you and I both have been raised in this healthcare system, trained in this healthcare system. In what world are we ever going to be like Italy? Now, and not just Italy, a little local di district of Italy too. We're, we have never been and will never be like that. You agree? Yeah. I mean, at the, at, at a, I mean, the Italian system is overwhelmed at sort of at baseline almost. So it's, at baseline, uh, so it, yes. It, yeah. I mean, the U.S. system is so different, right, than the, than the Italian system. Uh, but we looked at that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I knew we would flex. I knew we would respond. I, I knew we would flex. Yeah. I knew we would respond. I, when, when the when the uh, Oxford University data started coming out, you know, two million deaths in the first year, I was like, no, we won't. That will not happen. That we will. That we'll respond in some way. We'll find ways to deal with this. We'll improvise. We'll do stuff now. I was shocked to see the degree to which we didn't do that at the beginning. That was very stunning to me. Uh, and I know that was part of the Great Barrington Declaration. But but you even so, happened. we did have... Ex ex go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, like, no, the thing is, you, like, this is our, there's a little delay here. So so if I, if, if I start talking, just please barrel through. I'll stop. Uh, no worries. Uh, I, 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 uh, so, you know, the thing what happened is we had that 2 million forecast of 2 million deaths by the Imperial College people, right? Um, the, the, the Trump and uh, Trump brought in Fauci and Burks. They told him about the 2 million. He said, OK, well, let's lock down everything. And Fauci and Burks advised him to lock down everything. Uh, because what was what people thought was going to be scarce was hospital beds. We're gonna, we need to preserve hospital beds, and that's actually the reason why. You know, you wonder why did Governor Cuomo send COVID-infected patients back to nursing homes? It's because he thought, at least at least in part of it, is that the scarce thing is hospital beds. We have to keep hospital beds open. In fact, what was scarce was protection of the of the old and vulnerable. That was the key thing. Most of the country actually in March 2020. We're, not, we're even close to overwhelm. Most hospital systems actually were, were empty in March 2020. We passed yeah. this massive yeah. bill, this CARES Act bill, to bail hospitals out that were going bankrupt because they saw their uh, census drop by like 30, 40, 50 percent in some cases. Um, and so you, you, yeah. you had a, a situation where we were optimizing against the wrong thing. You could look at the data mm -hmm. from China. So many deaths were older people. That should have told us what to do protect old people, leave society alone, let it move on as best as can. And um, and in April of 2020, I did this study uh, where we measured the prevalence in the population of COVID in Santa Clara County and in LA County. In LA I County, we that. found 4%, 4%, right? So mm -hmm. now that doesn't sound like a big number. I mean, that tells you that we were early in the disease. So a, a, a seroprevalence study for, for listeners, it means it's you know, how many people in the population have antibodies to COVID. 
to the, the, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. It turned out to be 4%. It tells you two things, or three things. One is that we're still early in the course of the disease. Right? We still have long, and that turned out to be true. Um, the second thing it tells you is we cannot get to zero. 4% was 50 times or 40 times more infections than the public health authorities knew about at the time in April of 2020. If you can't identify the, the infections, and there was no hope of identifying them, you're not going to get to zero. It's already too, for the cats out of the bag. We're not in a, a place right. in this world where zero COVID is ever going to happen. We knew that in April right. 2020. Right. And then right. third, the death rate's lower than you think. And, and I, I remember in California when they had that red, orange, green, yellow system. And I, I just, I was on a news broadcast, and I kept saying, we're, we're, this, these are, first of all, made up numbers, completely made up. Just, I, they just picked them out of the sky. And we're never getting to green. Never. It's never going to happen. I, I could see this going to be an endemic virus. No way. Well, now, guess what? Endemic virus. How about apologies from some of these people? Why, why, I, I mean, they, they, they just, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's too much. And, and in the meantime, you know, in the meantime, you know, down here, they were punishing people, can't lay down on the beach, can't eat outdoors. I mean, things that were, and then say, follow, then saying, follow the science in the same breath, which is, again, it, it makes me choke on, on the, the fact that they did that. I remember there was like a, some image out of in the early days of the epidemics that's of, of like police on the beach chasing down a surfer in on on, on the yep. in, in yeah. like Santa Santa Monica right it was it was it was just insane yeah. it's like they're outdoors there's no evidence of the disease spreading outdoors it's it's healthy to be out we just we did every single thing we could do wrong we did wrong right it it was it, and uh, to me the beach business and the you know you can't lie down or you can go to the beach you can't lie down at all that that is the level of incompetence that we were dealing with i just i just it's just grotesque incompetence i see it for what it is incompetence admit it people incompetent well, come on and, I, I and so let, let me ask this we should yeah wait a minute they should we i mean i agree with you we should they, we we should get down on our knees and apologize for what what we did i mean our, yeah. our class of yeah people, right? agreed so early on, you put out the Great Barrington Declaration, and and that was immediately seen as sort of a Trump esque sort of a document. What, what what how did it get politicized? You you were just trying to bring some reason, it seemed to me, into the conversation, and it was immediately sort of called out as all kinds of things that it wasn't. And my so my question is, what do you think happened there, and did that impair your ability to to be heard as a rational uh, representative of uh, the research community? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, so we wrote it in October 2020. It was intended as an international document. You know, hundreds of thousands of people around the world signed, literally from around the world signed it. Uh, the UK was having its, its debate about whether there should be a fall lockdown. We wanted to enter that debate. Uh, countries all through Europe and, and the developing world were also. At the same time, it's October 2020, and there's about to be this, you know, this election, that, that the, the, the small election that happened in, in the next month in the US. I don't right. do politics for a living. I, I I do public health research for a living. I had no idea the pol political firestorm I was entering when uh, when I wrote <laughs> the Great Barrington Declaration. <laughs> um, yeah. So what happened was like it it caught on. It it, it sort of went viral. Uh, tw you know, ten th tens of thousands of doctors signed it, uh, and uh, you know, fifteen thousand scientists signed it. Uh, and so it made it clear that the, cons the idea that there's a consensus in favor of lockdown was not true. In fact, that was that is itself still a lie. It is not true that most of the science says you should do lockdowns. That is a falsehood. Um, so, uh, now, for Dr. Fauci, it was a political problem to be solved. 
And the way he solved it was through propaganda. He called it nonsense. He characterized a strategy which the, fee the key feature of that strategy is focus protection of the vulnerable. Focus protection of the vulnerable, right? So protecting As we have always done in a pandemic. As we've exactly. always done in a pandemic. Isolate, isolate, and, and restrict in, in the, yeah, the sick like, or vulnerable. Exactly. Uh, but and for, for the rest of society, don't panic people. Try to keep things going as best as you can. I mean, people are going to be scared, but you want to reassure them and give them resources to deal with the fear, not to not stoke it. He characterized that proposal, which is the same policy we follow for 100 years of pandemics. He characterized as a, as a let it rip strategy. He, he effectively called the authors of it and the co-signers of it evil. Because and yeah, irresponsible and, and, for wanting to let the, yeah, that's, the kids go to right. school. And, and, and by the way, his... His his pandemic policies, if you roll back, say, five years or 10 years and look at their their actual pandemic policies, it would look like the Great Barrington Declaration, wouldn't it? Absolutely. 2009, we followed effectively the Great Barrington Declaration, although it wasn't called out at the time uh, during the H1N1 epidemic. Uh, I mean, I, I think the uh, it's, it's funny, actually, one, one, well, your comment raises a thought, you know, if we. If we didn't have Zoom, I actually think we wouldn't have had a lockdown, right? In 2009, there was no Zoom. And so a mm -hmm. lockdown would have affected the jobs of people like you and me. Where, yeah, uh, everybody. You know, people it, would have really, it would have been a different jobs. thing. That's true. Oh, yeah, 30% of people have moved. jobs yeah. in the place. Yeah, uh, and interesting. So they don't feel the pain. And is is the Great Barrington Declaration coming back and being looked at again? And, and is it part of the post mortem of people going, why why didn't we, why didn't we look at this and and why aren't we doing things like this going forward? I mean, I think uh, if you look at what what's the end state of of COVID, country after country is adopting something like the Great Barrington Declaration. You know, reasonable countries have said, okay, it's not going away. COVID is not going away. It's endemic, just like you say, right? And if it's not mm -hmm. going away, well, what's the alternative? Well, there really isn't one other than protection of the vulnerable through vaccines now, right? Because uh, we those are fantastically effective against uh, uh, against severe disease and death. Um, and for and let's stop disrupting society. So the UK, for instance, has adopted a policy like this. Half the United States has adopted a policy like this, I think. Mm -hmm. um, just not California. Uh, and I, right. and uh, I think their country after country is is looking at what actually is possible, realizing. Lockdowns are devastating. They're not getting you to zero COVID. They're not. The disease isn't going away because not. we panic. Of course not. And they're they're adopting this idea. It's it's it's. I mean, in a, in a way, it's kind of a trick, right? It's an old idea. Uh, we relabeled it, and so it, it's not an old. It's an old idea for a good reason because it's worked so many times in the past, and it'll work again. Right. That's right. Exactly right. And you know, they're just not saying it out loud that eventually. Most all of us are going to have some sort of hybrid immunity of vaccine and natural immunity. And that's probably the most robust thing we could have. Um, I'm looking at the restream comments here. And Andrew Ashkazvili, I'm not quite sure you're asking me. Please restate that question. I will ask it of Dr. Bhattacharya because uh, I'm not quite sure what you're getting at there. Uh, so it, it also brings up the question now of, uh, well, what other other things to be done to mitigate? And what about masks? What, what do we do with that data? And, and people are behaving as though masking... Not masking is is like firing bullets around with your saliva or something, when in fact masks are maybe twenty percent effective, something like that. And I'm I'm sure you're aware. Uh, this is back to why people are doing the things they're doing. 
Uh, did you see, you must have seen the study at Stanford where somebody looked at the number of Stanford students riding a bike with helmet versus a mask. It was 60% mask, 20% helmet. That, that tells you all you need to know in terms of follow the science. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I think uh, we're, we're headed into a winter wave. I mean, California still is low, but it, it's, it seems likely like it's going to follow much of the rest of the rest of the country into, a, into its delta wave. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll still, especially for, there's still older people that are not unprotected with the vaccine. It's very important to try to mm -hmm. convince them, especially because they face such high risk from to COVID uh, to, to get the vaccine. Um, I don't think you need the vaccine to stop the disease. The vaccine doesn't stop disease transmission. That is very clear. Highly vaccinated countries have seen the disease spread widely. You know, Israel, Iceland, UK, the US have seen. So the vaccine is not the key to stopping the disease. Nothing we have stops the disease from spreading. Um, so okay. we have to do focus protection. Well, the older people are still going to need to be a little more careful, and, especially and, if they're not and, and I would argue mitigate the effect of the illness with monoclonal antibodies, antivirals, vaccine therapies. We just make it a less serious illness like we do with every illness. <laughs> we do with That's everything. Really, and, and now we have really those things. It's a really, really good reminder. Yeah. Uh, we have we're much better positioned to deal with this. If you get if you get the disease, you act, we actually have effective treatments. Um, let's tell people that that should be like cause for celebration. Let's 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 tump Trump that up widely, right? Uh, although I'm I'm a little mystified why they're not rushing those things out. I mean, there are, some countries are getting them already, the molnupiravir, and I think the Pfizer drug too, because they they were part of the research protocol where they saw the proof of the pudding. They saw what happened, and they're like, "Get me this stuff now! Let's 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 yeah. put an end to this thing." Um, I, somebody asked a question. I want to make sure I get it right here. Apparently, uh, you predicted a herd immunity for alpha by April 2021. Uh, do you have a similar prediction for delta? Uh, so I, I don't remember predicting any timing for herd immunity. Uh, I think herd immunity here, what it means is something, it, sometimes people think of that as as zero COVID, right? Well, like if we have herd right. immunity, the disease is gone. This is like other coronaviruses. Like you're, you have immunity, the population immune may decline over time. Uh, it's seasonal, so the le the level of you needed for immune in order to protect against uh, disease spread, epidemic disease spread, it will be will be higher in the in season than in out of season. And so what you'll do is you'll get you'll get like waves of this. Uh, the key thing to remember though is that the, s the second time you get this disease, or if you get the disease after you've had the vaccine, you're going to have a much milder course of the disease. Mm -hmm. Eventually, mm -hmm. everyone on Earth will face this disease. Will face mm -hmm. the virus, mm -hmm. and, and by the way, times. if you, yeah, and if you have molnupiravir in your pocket, or the, or the, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the Pfizer drug. It's, uh, hold on, I'm going to get it for you, the uh, Paxlovid. Uh, then, then it's, it's. What are we worried about? What's the big? Yeah, if you're I mean, 85, I, you got a little something to worry about. But if you're 65 or you're 40, you got nothing to worry about. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Uh, and, and I think, uh, I mean, you know, like it's if you're worried if, as a 45-year-old carry the drug around anyways, right? Uh, I mean, I, and there's monoclonal antibodies. Uh, the key thing is that over time, at a, like a few years, you'll have faced it multiple times. You'll find that it's going to be it's going to be milder the second time you get it, milder the third time you get it. Eventually, sure. the next time you get it, the end time you get it, it'll be a cold because your body remembers right. how to fight it off, right? Uh, and right. I, and I mean, just think, just think about... I mean, think about how coronaviruses affect uh, like nursery school age kids and things. They get these upper respiratory infections like crazy. And then by the time they're adults, guess what? They're not getting them so much. Same virus is sort of yeah. 
taken care of. But but uh, let's let's talk for a minute about masks. I have to take a break in a, in a few minutes, but I want to do the mask talk here. Finish that mask. I brought it up. Um, what what do we do with that? I mean, certainly underage six seems insane to me, uh, and World Health Organization agrees with me on that. Uh, again, in terms of the unintended consequences, it seems to me we are inculcating oppositional defiance disorder in in children because you know fighting children to wear something over their face. I mean, I can't imagine a more distinct way to create a personality problem than that. Uh, not only that, we're not allowing them the opportunity to spend face-to-face -face time sharing emotion with adults, which is how they build their emotion, how they build their fully sense of self. We're not giving them that opportunity because our faces are covered. So what what about mask? Uh, certainly under age six, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you on that one if you think we should go be going under age six. But generally, I, I mean, mask hard. mandates. Yeah, mask mandates though just seem. I mean, the fact that they, people wear them outside tells me everything I need to know. It, it just seems I I don't know. I what what would a rational mask policy look like? So I, I think masks have some use. So for instance, in nursing homes where you're around vulnerable people, in hospitals where sure. you know they're obviously sure. people, and people are trained to use them Doctors effectively. Offices. Absolutely, yeah. I think masks are not are a useful tool in the settings where they're where, where they're most likely to be useful. They are useless out of doors because the disease does not spread very efficiently out of doors in any case. Uh, they they for for toddlers, we're the only foolish country on earth that masks toddlers. The, the European CDC does not recommend masking toddlers. The World Health Organization does not recommend masking toddlers. You know, it, it is mm -hmm. it is mind-boggling to me that anyone thinks that masking a toddler will have any effect on disease spread. There's never been demonstrated, and is unli unlikely to ever be demonstrated that 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 is the case. Um, and you don't, you 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 bring up something very important, and this is this has shocked me. The idea that masking toddlers and children has no effect on their development at all. The AAP, yeah. the American Association of Pediatrics, actually said something like that. How can they think that? Like it is, it is. Um, I, I want them. You know, it's one of these things where, like, you know, prove prove it to me. You have to prove to me that there is, is no harm. You, you, the right. default position. You would never be able to organize a study aimed at showing, oh, there is, there is. Does, does masking harm children? Does masking stop development? Because it would be unethical to run right. such a study. The default position yes. is do no harm. Show me that this, right. it does no uh, harm first. Yeah, uh, it, it's, again, very strange times. The, the, has the American Academy of Pediatrics come come down in favor of under six-year-olds? I can't believe that. Yes. Yeah, they did. Oh, They did. It came out. Why? Well, based on what? Panic, again, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm, I, I'm at a loss to explain it because uh, this is, this is, it violates every evidence-based medicine standard I've ever yeah, you know, I, I grew up with like we have to look at the evidence and deal with what the actually evidence actually says, and there is no there's no good evidence that doesn't harm people harm, harm kids. And the default I think is they're going to be kids like you know developmentally disabled kids and uh, and others that have difficulty with language acquisition. They're going to have trouble as a result of these masks in, on toddlers. It makes no sense. When when our peers take you on, when they disagree with you, what is the sort of uh, grounds on which they wish to disagree, or what's the data that they'll point at, or are you, or does no one push back on you that has a sufficient standing to you know be considered a peer? <laughs> well, I mean, I get, I get, I guess Dr. Fauci is pushing back on me. I, I, I mean, I think part of the problem is that they the. Um, it's really it's like an it's it's an epistemological problem. Like, how, what's the standard of evidence? The standard of knowing. 
right? So um, almost all, all through the epidemic, the idea has been we should follow the precautionary principle. Precautionary principle in this case means, well, uh, we don't know, this is a new thing, we don't know uh, how bad it is, so we should do everything we can to stop it. Even if uh, even if we don't know for a fact, I, I, this is like it, it epitomized by this idea of this Swiss cheese model. Uh, I don't know if you, you've heard of that. I'm sure, right? So we have layer after layer after layer. There are all kinds of holes in them, but if you put enough layers together, eventually you stop the disease from spreading. The key thing about that is right. you don't have to have any evidence, any good evidence for any particular layer, and any piece of evidence right. that says, "Oh, this layer doesn't work." The, way the response is, "Well, it's just okay. It's leaky, but it's one more layer. What's the problem?" Uh, the, the big, big problem with that, though, is that each layer causes harms, and you can't just pretend mm -hmm. like, even in the precautionary principle, the thing you're doing is benign. Lockdowns are fantastic examples. There's no way on earth that anyone can now look at these things and say they're benign. Um, you have right. to, if you're responsible, consider both the possible benefits and the harms. Um, and I think a, a lot of the, the my peers that, put, that try to push back on me will tell me, well, there's there's possible benefits. They'll try to point to, to, which to my mind looks like weak evidence of benefits, but they will very rarely squarely look at the harms and say, oh yeah, we own that. Yeah, they, never. And and you, you call it the precautionary principle. And it's interesting to me that I think that's still prevalent uh, way of thinking in terms of the vaccine, which is, yeah, vaccine does some bad stuff, but we're not going to, uh, 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 nobody's allowed to talk about that because, you know, it, it, it's still the best of uh, options here. And and I don't necessarily disagree with that because, you know, extraordinary times call for extraordinary things. But lack of transparency is how you create 80-year-olds not taking the vaccine, frankly, because uh, that's it that's is. the problem here. Completely agree with that. I mean, I think like, this, you know, the smallpox vaccine, the old, the old you know, the, the disease we eradicated. But it was a vaccine that was actually, it would kill one in a million people that took it. It would put thousands and thousands of people into the hospital every year. The vaccine would. And people mm -hmm. took it knowing that because they knew that smallpox itself was so deadly. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And you get high uptake by being honest about these things, not by hiding. Like, mm -hmm. so for instance, this vaccine the, for young men, the, the mRNA vaccines cause somewhere between one in 5,000 to one in 10,000 men to, to have, get myocarditis. That is yep. a, you know, pre, pretty solidly known. Telling yep. young men that is a very important part of convincing young men to take the vaccine. Telling young men, uh, everyone that is a very important part of convincing everyone because then you, people won't think that you're snowing, snowing, you know, snowing them over. They'll, they'll realize you're giving them honestly, here's the benefits, here's the risks. And, help, and then you can help. You can make a decision based on your, your, your uh, sort of your values, right? Uh, I think what's happened is we've sort of confused the public and the private benefit of the vaccine. The, the vaccine protects me. When I get the vaccine, I will have a less severe disease course than if I when I get COVID than than if I didn't have the vaccine on board. That's great, fantastic news. It is much less good at protecting you because I will get COVID. I had COVID actually. I got the vaccine in April. And I got in. I got COVID in August. Um, mm -hmm. Just happens. I Perfect mean, the timing. Vaccine is not. Now you have good, nice <laughs> hybrid immunity. Good, good timing. I, I got the tiger blood. I, I'm all good. So, um, yeah. I, mean, I think. I think, um, I think uh, the. Uh, but if that's true, then why are we thinking about this vaccine as we have to force everyone to get it? The right way to think about this right. vaccine so, is so, let's convince people yeah. to get it, especially those yeah. who are vulnerable. The, 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 we've also abandoned the basic ethics of vaccine therapeutics, which is the vaccine must benefit the individual 
must be a clear benefit to the individual. If they also would like to take on the benefit to everybody else, I encourage them to do so. But the actual ethic is it must be worth the risk reward for the individual. And I find it bizarre that we're not uh, helping physicians talk to 15-year-old males about, mm, you know, in, in certain countries, if they space it out by 12 weeks as opposed to four weeks, they're seeing less myocarditis. Maybe we do that. And oh, by the way, you're running back on the football field. I kind of want to watch you for two weeks after you, you know, after you take the vaccine. And maybe we want to take the vaccine during basketball season. You're off season there because bad things can happen with exertion and myocarditis in a 15-year-old. And we're going to see it. It's inevitable. We're going to see it. And if, if it's in the setting of a mandate, that's, that really can, that's when people are going to go crazy and it's going to be impossible to get vaccine uptake. That, that's what yeah, worries I, me. That's my nightmare. Oh, but you know, that's happening, Drew. It's like what you get, we're seeing a collapse in the demand for the other, other DPT, MMR, childhood vaccines. I know. Um, it's I know. really, it's really disheartening. Um, and I yeah, think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, there are countries that have banned the, the Moderna vaccine for the under 30. You know, major European countries mm -hmm. have banned the, because of the myocarditis risk. Um, and and uh, for children, uh, you know, children die at, from COVID at very, 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 very low rates, vanishingly low rates. Well, let's, let's, be, let's be clear. Let's be clear. The, the, the data is, I just looked it up a couple of days ago. 700 children have died of COVID across the pandemic, 700. And of those, 680 had severe pre-existing conditions. So 20 healthy children have died of COVID in the entire pandemic. Yeah, I mean, thank God, right? That it's not, not thank God for those kids, yeah. so that's really sad. But, the, yeah. but thank God yeah. that it's such a low rate. We have millions and millions of kids who've got COVID and only and only a few of them have died. It's the same thing with the flu, right? The flu kills a few few kids every year and it's a sad thing, but thank God it's mm -hmm. not higher rates. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so what you have is a situation where the risk of, COVID, of, death, of harm, severe harm from COVID in children is very low any risk of side effects whatsoever may cut against giving the vaccine to the kids and it's a, it should be an individual choice let, let the parents talk about it with their pediatricians and make a decision informed decision based on the health of the kid and and uh, and so on uh, not a mandate don't, certainly don't say you can't go to school if you don't get the vaccine that is because ha that, that harms kids not being allowed to go to school um, you, how so, do you how do you re reconcile that the, the being against worried about that mandate versus a mandate for measles vaccine say? Yeah, so there let's use your principle because I think that's really useful. Measles, if yeah. it is an epidemic, measles, and you're likely to get measles. If a kid gets measles, that's a deadly disease for the kid. You're protecting them mm -hmm. against a very deadly condition. Now, measles is low rates in the in the population because of herd immunity. Um, and so you, you're unlikely to face measles. So the rate of death from measles in the U.S. is low. So even if you're not vaccinated, it's going to be low because the, the, you're depending on others to be vaccinated to protect you, right? Uh, measles right. vaccine does protect the spread of the measles because it protects you against infection, unlike COVID, where the COVID vaccine, which doesn't do that. So you have two things right. that are very different. One is you're protecting right. the kid against a disease that's harmful to them really harmful to them by yep. the measles vaccine. Yep. And you also have the yep. public benefit of protecting others, both push in favor of yep. mandatory vaccinations for measles, but not for the COVID vaccine. 
Right. So, so let's just say it again. The, the measles is, is extreme. people don't appreciate how deadly measles can be to kids and measles encephalitis. So it's, it's awful. Number one. Number two. You can get herd immunity with the measles vaccine. You can get it, and the R not on measles measles is way higher than than uh, COVID, and so it's it's a it's a situation that that the, the decision making, the risk reward is completely completely different. Now, could we get to a point where the risk reward starts to look different for COVID? Sure, it can look different as, as this thing evolves. But right now, it's a very different consideration. Let me um, take a little break here. And uh, we're going to take some calls when we get back, see what kind of questions people have. And I want to get your pick your brain a little bit about moving forward. What's next? How do we get out of this thing? What are your thoughts? What are your concerns? Uh, we're with Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, professor of medicine at Stanford University. You can follow him at DRJ. Bhattacharya, I suggest you look at my screen here to understand how to spell his name, because if I, I will spell it out. I hope I get it right. B-H-A-T-T-A-C-H-A-R-Y-A. -A I get it? Yep, you got it. Yeah, I got it. All right. It's on Twitter, Dr. J Bhattacharya, and uh, we'll be back in just a moment. I want to give a shout out to our good friends at Blue Mics. If you've heard my voice on this show any time over the past year, including right now, you've been listening to Blue Microphones. And let me tell you, after more than 30 years in broadcasting, I don't think I've ever sounded better. But you don't need to be a pro or have a fancy studio to benefit from a quality mic. You may not realize it, but if you've been working from home or using Zoom to chat with friends, you probably spend a lot of time in front of a microphone. So why not sound your best? Whether you're doing video conferencing, podcasting, recording music, or hosting a talk show, Blue has you covered. From the USB series that plugs right into your computer to XLR professional mics like the mouse or the Blueberry we use in the studio right now. Bottom line, there's a Blue microphone to fit your budget and need. I can't say enough about Blue mics. And once you try one, you will never go back. Trust me. To take your audio to the next level, go to drdrew.com slash blue. That is drdrew.com slash B-L-U-E. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya in here. Let's bring him on back. Uh, I'm going to go to some questions from the uh, from the Clubhouse audience. Again, raise your hand if you'd like to ask Dr. Bhattacharya a question. Before we go to the calls, though, uh, what 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 do you see going forward? What's your what's your crystal ball tell you? Like when, when are we going to sort of get, in other words, what frightens me is the people who have been making these decisions have been making them in such arbitrary, bizarre, panic-stricken ways. What's to prevent them from keeping going with that even when we have this thing in hand? I mean, I expect, I expect by January to have really good antivirals, to have much more vaccine penetration, to have a lot of hybrid immunities circulating around. And let's just, let's just, let's just stop let's call it over let's call it a game and uh, learn to live with this thing the way we do with so many other illnesses i mean i see one of two paths forward uh and i it's i, I mean i tell you which one i want I, I see one path where we continue to organize our society around the suppression of a single infectious disease um I, I, that i think is true for half the country not true for the other half of the country it's true in many other mm -hmm. many other places on earth um and uh, it is hard to understand how the folks who put this us in the situation will by themselves take us out, take take themselves out of it. Mm -hmm. Right? Their their mm -hmm. egos and power are built around that. On the other hand, we have a path which you just described, which I think could happen. Right? You you get these antivirals that are that that, that are developed. We we uh, tell people about, uh, about you know we vaccinate a very large fraction of the population already. They're protected. A large fraction of the population already got the disease and and recovered and are protected. We start 
sort of scaling back and move toward normal life. That's true, again, for half the country already. Um, and uh, we, we essentially get this rebirth of freedom um, to where we can go back to arguing about budget deficits or something. Um, I, I mean, I think that is going to be, <laughs> you know, um, that'll be, that'll, that's, that's likely to, that, that, that's the path I hope to have. Um, I, do, I do think that it's a close call. In some places, the people that are in power that have, that have had a very good pandemic will continue to want to be it. But I think, you know, the fear is really the, the crux of it. If we as a medical profession can start to address the fear of COVID, a lot of the power that people have to create, to impose these policies will sap away. Right. I, I, I was going to bring up that you, you talk about the precautionary principle, but I, I'm afraid the precautionary principle, which is actually not a, not, not a principle I would take issue with, it's just that it got morphed into safety uber alice. And, and that is, that is, that's insanity. That's insanity. I mean, you, you then have to not drive cars. You have to not ride bikes. You have, I mean, safety is your ultimate virtue. I, I, we got, we got problems. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not actually safe to keep yourself so safe. Like you can sit in a bubble in your own home and you know what, that's not actually a safe thing to do. You got to live your life. Um, and I think, well, remind people of that. People know that, uh, we just, we're so scared of COVID that we forgot it. It certainly isn't a good life. That that's the thing that people have forgotten. That there is a difference between a long life, a safe life, and a good life. And I would hope it would help get us a chance to refocus on what a good life entails. And it's yes. not you know sitting. Uh, it's just not what we've been doing. Uh, and you know, and the the uh, just so many the so much the rhetoric around it was just disgusting. You know, it's like oh, you're only people are only interested in money. They just want to be working and making money. No, 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 no. We want to be engaged in life. We want to be building things and helping other people, and and that that's economy. That's what economics is. That's what, wanna, that, that's why we can mom. feed each other. You know, I want to I want to go visit my mom and I want to hug her. I want to I want to like yeah. see my 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 nephews and nieces. I want to I want to like hang out with my friends. I mean, those are not unreasonable demands. Uh, and, and if it increases the risk of COVID a little bit, you know what? That's I'm okay with that. Right. Right. And by, and by the way, I, I mean, are we going to put tuberculosis on this list of safety? And, and what about uh, hantavirus? And what are you doing with, we had an outbreak. Look, we have massive, massive rodent bloom here. What are you going to do with typhus? And what about when bubonic plague gets here? It's coming west. <laughs> it was in Tahoe. It's coming. It's coming. Are you going to freak out and, I, I you know, hide in, I, what you know, I mean, I don't know. That, that's, this is too much. 200 for me, viruses and uh, pathogens. 200 of them we live with as humans. I mean, we just we live with them. We don't destroy our lives around them. We deal with them if we if we have it, and then move on with our life. Yeah, two hundred dangerous pathogens you're talking about. You're talking yes. about things that really are very very dangerous. And herpes. And you have to throw that in there. Yeah, let's get back to getting a vaccine for that. Uh, BB. Uh, yeah, we need to cure that. BB, what's going? Well, these antivirals have. Uh, listen, a lot of stuff has moved forward because of COVID. A lot of stuff, and, and so I'm grateful for some of that stuff. Um, BB, I'm trying to get you up to the microphone here. Uh, so do come, come up to the podium if you don't mind. Uh, because, you know, just, it's not just been mRNA vaccines that, that have been the, the advancement. There's been a lot of stuff that's moving rather quickly and it's been, it's been nice to see. Uh, well, it looks like BBMCC. There she, hey, BB, what's going on? <gasps> oh, Dr. Drew, I'm so excited. I am your number one fan and Dr. Bhattacharya. Oh, this is so awesome. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> oh, I, I like I it. Hypervine hyperventilate with excitement and susan 
You're awesome the way you support him. I listen to everything. Adam Carolla oh. has gotten me through the pandemic without taking an anti-anxiety medication. Wow, fantastic. You guys are great. You guys are great. Thanks, I love baby. your message. I listen to everything. Okay, so my husband and I are both over 50. So okay. we decided we got vaccinated. Okay. We have a very healthy 17-year-old daughter who is a senior in high school. Oh, my gosh. I'm starting to hyperventilate. She will start college in the fall. Mm -hmm. Initially, we thought we're going to wait till she starts college to get her vaccinated. We live in the state of Pennsylvania, and it's crazy the push to vaccinate kids under the age of 18. I do listen to everything you say. I understand about the hybrid uh, immunity. Uh, Yes, I thank you very much. Yep, well done. But it's still, I have this daughter in a gray zone. She's mm -hmm. healthy. She's active. Her BMI is great. She has no medical problems. I tend towards thinking of waiting till the fall before she starts college to vaccinate her. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I fall prey to the media messaging and, you know, I'm not doing my part. I'm not suppressing the viral replication. Mm -hmm. I was totally okay with the risk reward for myself in taking it because I thought it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But what about these young, healthy female adolescents and the vaccinations yeah. that are low risk? Yeah. I, I, and by oh, the way, I'm so excited. Thank you for taking my. Well, baby, stay with us. We're so excited <laughs> okay. to have you. We're equally excited. So, so where she, you don't have to tell me the name of the school, but is it a school, you know, as you go up the, the scholastic food change, the restrictions get worse and worse and the demands become worse and worse, strangely enough. Uh, is she going to a place that is highly restrictive and very anxious and, you know, will not let her move about or even come on campus if she's not vaccinated? She actually got an academic and athletic scholarship mm -hmm. to Michigan State. Okay. So she's going to have to get it to go to college. Okay. But my question is, she's only a senior in high school. And the vast majority of the kids in her high school are vaccinated. She, we just decided the whole risk award. Wait I, I get, no, I hear you. We hear okay. you. I hear you. I, but let's get talk about it. Sorry, I'm not going to adulterate this with uh, my opinion yet. Uh, and by the way, good for you for thinking it through. And, and before I, before we ask Dr. Bhattacharya, let me ask this. Have you talked to her pediatrician or internist or family practitioner? I did. I took her for her okay. well child. Hold on. Hold on. I, I don't want to know what he or she said. I want to get Dr. Bhattacharya's opinion first. You know, this is one of these things where it, I, it, it could go either way. And I think it would be a perfectly reasonable choice um, for, for yeah. uh, young girls uh, and young women. Um, the mRNA vaccines don't ha have a much lower rate of myocarditis. Uh, unlike for mm -hmm. you know, for young much. men, just like much women. lower, yeah, much yeah, lower, much lower. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah. it's a safer vaccine for young women than it is for young young men. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and and uh, at the same time, the the risk of COVID, the harm from COVID, is actually quite low. In in um, uh, a lot of the risk profiles that look people look at this, they say, okay, well, what's the myocarditis risk from the vaccine? Uh, I guess it's, again, it's probably mm -hmm. really low for young women. Um, but then they compare that against the risk uh, of myocarditis from COVID, which actually is a little higher. Um, I think actually the, that's the wrong calculation. The, que the question is, if you get the vaccine and then subsequently get COVID, what's the myocarditis risk from the, from both together? Um, I, and you know, I think uh, it, it is. I can understand where you're coming from. It is a very. Uh, it's. It, it, you could make a reasonable decision in either direction. Um, what would push yeah. me over to the other side is, if, if your if your daughter isn't going to be denied opportunities in her life because of mandates, then I would I would argue you you do it.
I mean, it's it's just that. That's, it's, you know, just it's funny. That. You you and I have the same emotional sensibility on this because because that's I, I like the idea. And BB's already brought this up that we're helping each other by suppressing replication and all that stuff that sort of goes without saying. But but I have this. What what pushed me to get the vaccine is it was worth the risk for my freedom. <laughs> Bottom line. Uh, and and it, it's like the, it's it's the reality we are dealing with. You can't move about. It's it's highly restrictive and, and a major hassle if you're not vaccinated. All right, I'll I'll, I'll put down that risk. They they now maybe that's what everyone's intentions were to you know make the 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 decision making you know fall down so massively in favor of, of, of vaccinating just so you can move about in the world. That's kind of an astonishing public health policy if that's really what they were doing. Um, but I, I kind of have that same sensibility. You have that one. Yeah, and I think the problem is like if that is the real. I mean, I think that's as a, as an individual you react that way, and I completely mm -hmm. understand. As a as a policy matter, it undermines confidence in public health. You feel coerced mm -hmm. instead of mm -hmm. reasoned mm -hmm. with. Um, and I think yep. that that Agreed. is that was an easy mistake. It's not necessary to stop the virus from spreading because because it won't stop the virus from spreading. Um, you know, the right. vaccine that's doesn't. Right. The vaccine doesn't do that. So, 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 BB, I want to make sure we're getting your question. Is it is it should you vaccinate now versus just before college, or what, what is the what correct? Is the, yeah, correct. That is the question. I, I, it's kind of a toss up. I, I you, you have some well, discomfort I, I about now. For, I have an argument for later. Okay, go ahead. Let's hear um, it. The yeah. argument for later is very better. Simple. Better covered. Um, She's better covered. She'll be better covered for the well, first six months of school. There, there may also be advances in, in our understanding of the vaccine. There could be d new versions of the vaccine tested over time. There could be new vaccines available that, with better safety profiles. Um, waiting a year. Okay. That's uh, what if, I think. Okay. Okay. So no, I agree with that. So Susan and Jay are saying, did you get with that, that reasoning, BB? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you are such a voice of reason. And thank you for doing these podcasts. Our pleasure. Thank you for working. I listen to all of them. I tell everybody to listen to them, to think for yourself and just thank you for doing this and thank you for taking my question. Thanks, baby. Make it, Susan and I want to come visit you. I can tell. I can feel Susan. I can feel how Susan. Didn't we just have that conversation? Yeah. Didn't we just have that conversation yeah. last week about yeah. the kids getting yeah. vaccinations Susan is the wait 12? and see mom. She, she's, her thing is like the longer we can wait, if she goes, she said, if I had kids, I'd wait as long as possible to get as much data as possible to see where this yeah, thing goes. Yeah, if they're going to get, if they caught yeah. it and they just had a sniffly nose for a week, yeah. like, so what? Why would I give them a vaccine if they don't really really need it if they had reasons to get it i'd get it for them yep. you know but but, but jay but go wait ahead. till yeah. it's more advanced in time i mean i think I, I think that reasoning is i completely agree with it for kids for older people for whom COVID is a very deadly disease if you're not vaccinated oh, no. please get it yeah please please yeah, please get yeah, it 100 and see I, I and let's be i think it's a such a almost an inspiring thing right it's it which is that we we're, you are advocating for a, a risk analysis you know that that you treat a 17 year old different than a nine-year-old different than a 75 year old i was telling my 75 year olds to get boosters before the boosters were approved because I, I could see the writing on the wall. I, I, I knew what was happening here. And, and I didn't want anybody getting sick because I got my people vaccinated early, too. So they were waning immunity rapidly. And, uh, you know, there, there's these are very vastly different risk reward diathesis in, in, the, in the balance here. And that's what we're supposed to do in medicine. I've, I've spent the last three days emphasizing you people, you go see a doctor for our judgment, not for our knowledge base. The knowledge base goes without saying. 
the judgment to make the right call for the right patient, the right circumstance. That's what medicine is. And that's all been just abandoned. It, it, uh, it makes me sick when I think about it. So it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's my profession. Really, that, yeah. 100% on that. I mean, I think uh, telling people to go see their doctor and have a reasoned discussion with the doctor, that is the right thing to do. Not this, go, go get the vaccine or else you lose your life. That's just a mistake. Or, or you're killing other people, or, you know, if you're not oh, wearing God, a mask or if you're not getting a vaccine. Th this is, that is a bizarre I, I, way of thinking about things. You know, I, I, it's just, I, it's, it's, you know, and it quickly, by the way, goes to, you know, unvaccinated people shouldn't be getting health care. You know, people that make, then it becomes people that make bad choices shouldn't be getting health care. I only treat people that make bad choices. That's that's my specialty. It's treating people that have made lots of bad choices. Go to emergency room. That's that's all who that's that's all that's there. People making bad choices. If it's a Stanford student wearing a face mask without a helmet, or it's uh, one of my parents, my patients shooting heroin, all bad choices. They all deserve good health care. <laughs> I mean, medicine would be very easy if you only treated people that made good choices, Drew. Yeah, right. We wouldn't have much to do. We'd be dealing with aging only. That's about all we'd be dealing with and the unlucky. Okay, let me go back to the calls here. We're almost through here, Jay, by the way. Thank you for your time. Hey, Josh, what do you got? I just wanted to talk about the mental health aspects of the pandemic. And I was wondering if you guys could talk about how, let's say you have past trauma and it's, you know, maybe not fully dealt with in therapy and the pandemic comes and you're asked to, you know, shelter in place, mm -hmm. you're, you're not able, is there, is a reverberation back to that early trauma and yeah. how, do, how really is our mental health being affected by yeah. this? Yeah. So, uh, I, Jay, I'll let you answer that, but, but you, I, Jay, Josh, I'm so, you actually made me shudder when, when you brought up shelter in place. That, that to, that to me is one of the most, that's that's like a nuclear. You shelter in place during a nuclear holocaust. Where, where did that? Where did they get off using that language? It was just that when that came up, I was like, "What? What are you talking? What? Go ahead and tell us not to move around, but don't use shelter in place." Then, when there really is something serious, what are you gonna? What language are we gonna use? Anyway, I'll let you answer his question about the mental health. I've got some ideas. It reminded me about like duck and cover. You know, you you, you protect yourself yeah. from nuclear blast by hiding under the deck. I mean, yeah. it's, um, uh, the the uh, but to, to answer Josh's question, I mean, I think it is absolutely normal for the the, the kinds of isolation that these policies have caused to co to make you feel alone, to make you feel hurt, and to remember past trauma. That is, uh, it, there was a CDC yeah. study that was done in June that found that one in four young adults seriously considered suicide in June of 2020. One in four. Yeah. Uh, it is absolutely yeah. normal, uh, and d so don't feel alone. Is why I'd say go go get help. Mm. Find your family if you can find if, if they can help you. Find your friends if they can help you. Find whatever resources you need so that you can get that feeling of loneliness, that feeling of of, of, of depression, that feeling of of, of anxiety uh, addressed. Try try and find find ways to to get your life back. So that those those things are, are are addressed, you know, as much as you possibly can. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. brains heal other brains, uh, and 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 it, the skill of the treating brain actually needs to be pretty substantial to deal with trauma. But it's the it's the uh, the treating person's brain that heals the other brain. And you, when you've disconnected from all that, uh, all you're doing is re-traumatizing. You know, are you re-traumatizing the way you would somebody who? 
you know, if you've had severe childhood trauma, you're you're prone to re-traumatization. Obviously, things like this can can be highly anxiety-provoking and have lots of adverse effect. But the effect of this was way way beyond re-traumatizing trauma survivors. This again, the depression anxiety scales. The fifteen, what we've done to eight to fifteen year olds. It's just unconscionable. I mean, just look at the data on them. Just just the fact that we handed them all screens had deleterious effects. The exposure to pornography do dropped down to like age eight or something. The amount of sexting, felony-level sexting went off the chart. I mean, there's a, there's a thing called Gaggle, I believe. I did a speech for Gaggle.com, and they have all that data posted there. It, it's astonishing when you see it, and it really jumps out in that 8- to 15-year-old category, which, of course, of course, they, they, that's the age of development when peer involvement is where the self-development is, is, is happening. And if you disconnect that, it's profound. Or if you interfere with it or, or adulterate it in weird ways, of course it will have consequences. The only, the only bit of data that was a piece of good news in all of this Gaggle.net. I'm sorry. Thank you, uh, Caleb. Gaggle, G-A-G-G-L-E.net. The only piece of good news in all this was even though there was a lot of suicidal ideation, completed suicides did not go up. Personally, I believe that did, that happened because we were all on top of each other. We were all in our homes together, and there was no opportunity to sneak away and commit suicide. You might be thinking about it, feeling it, but you, the opportunity did not present itself. So that that's good news. Uh, but that's the only piece of good news I saw in all the data. Yeah, ditto. I mean, that is actually a, a, a huge cause for celebration if there's if there's any. Um, yeah, right. Well, well, I'm I'm fearful. I'm fearful on the other side of it. We're going to see a, a, yes. a tick up. That that's the problem. So that's what I'm scared we'll of too, actually, because the trauma is not. Yeah. It has consequences. It's not like we can just okay tr yeah. turn the, the light switch off and then back on again. It's going to have. And yeah. so we're going to need to pour resources into the uh, to to address that problem, especially in young people yeah. uh, going forward. Yeah, we, we literally became hysterical as a country, at least the Western societies became, I, I, and I'm, I've, you know, I've seen the narcissistic turn in our personality constructs, and I think now we've moved towards histrionic, because the level of panic and the level of the, the thinking has been very nearly delusional. Uh, and that, that's a new thing. That's, that's a, I, I, don't know, I don't know how we were so prone to that and why the press uh, was allowed to do that to us and why the politicization, you know, made it all worse. You know, people going to one side of the boat or the other, which was both sides bad. Uh, so, uh, I, again, I urge everybody, I restore it. Let's rational recovery, rational revolution, we call this. We have a rational revolution, bring back rationality and uh, bring back thought without cognitive distortion to the extent that we're capable of that. Uh, consult your Stoics, your Stoicism. I think Stoics go a long way to sort of a, a check on, on cognitive distortion. If you, if you like philosophy, Stoics help us check our, we have glitches in our system. Uh, and try not to, um, don't, go, don't get engaged in, and don't get swept into the vortex. That, that's my, my, the summation of my advice. It's very simple, but that, that's it. Uh, Jay, I appreciate you being here so much, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. Are you going to come up with any other uh, sort of uh, manifesto going forward? Are we going to see in <laughs> Great Barrington 2 or anything? Something to, uh, to guide us that people are ready to listen to, by the way? They might be a more receptive audience now, that's for sure. I, I would love, I, I intend to continue to be involved in, in what I'm calling the reformation. I mean, we have to reform public health, we have to reform science. But I think I, in my life, I have one declaration in me. And so I don't know if I can have another, <laughs> another declaration. All right.
Well, I think what burned you out was the response. And we're in a different time a little bit. I, people are slowly waking up. It's I see it. I see it. I've, I for for a year I was going. When is this going to end? When I was asking, like, when do you think this is going to end? What, how you know where, what's the what's the where's the bottom? <laughs> where where are we going? And I feel like there's a, a at least a coalescing of people in the middle starting to look rationally at things and stop getting swept into stuff. And and if it is just because you know the the stakes are less because we have multiple treatments and vaccines and we're doing a good job with the virus now, okay, that's fine. If that's it, that's good too. Um, but you should also take a good look at the policies we brought in place during the darker days of this pandemic that were not just ineffective, destructive. And let's not do that to, again. Let's say this thing. A, we have to have an evaluation of the, like an honest evaluation yeah. of it. Yeah. You need to put in place, you know, uh, procedures, checklists, whatever it is, so that this, this, I, I mean, I think lockdown should be a dirty word. It should be anathema. It should be, it, it have the same kind of resonance as nuclear right. war or, uh, or chemical yeah. weapons or yeah. biological weapons. I, I agree. Should, that's a great, uh, I like that. That's, that's your, that's your declaration going forward where that, that we, we turn <laughs> lockdown into a dirty word. I like that. It's, it's uh, turn it into the new N word or something, but I, that's fine with me. But, yeah. but, but, but that, but that, you know, this virus could, you know, give us some more fits going forward, right? I mean, the illnesses have a way of getting, you know, the, the, the viruses develop resistances and new patterns and whatever. And the, the important thing is that we don't make the mistakes of the past in response to whatever the virus presents to us. So we just keep pushing forward with yeah. what we know works. So, I mean, this is, all right, this well, is listen, a, a pleasure. Finish up, finish your thought. This is a, yeah, it's, it, this is here forever, right? This, and it will have its twists yeah. and turns, Yeah. but let's deal with it. Yeah, like the yeah. way we deal with other, other things and rational without fear yeah. with, with trying, with trying to develop resources, yeah. get and protect people. Don't panic people. Don't lock them up. Yeah. Yeah. Pa panic never makes things better. Never. And his histrionic delusional thinking never makes things better. So let's, let's brush aside the things that have made things worse. And let's say, focus on what works and, Again, focus on leading a good life. Uh, like Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, thank you so much for joining me. It, it's interesting. What's interesting to me is to, you know, have talked to you in the darker days and now talk to you. Your, your, your thinking has evolved. Your, your perspective on uh, what has happened here is clearer. You know, it's a, it's a, the, the rearview mirror sort of seems to be putting things into focus for you a bit. And I, I hope you will uh, continue to share your thoughts because uh, they are accurate and, and they, they need to be listened to so we don't make the mistakes of the past. It's a delight to talk with you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, everybody. And I will wrap everything else up now. Thank you, guys. I'm, I'm, I had trouble watching you guys on the restream because I was so involved with Dr. Bhattacharya. Uh, Iggy Pop says, Reformation of U.S. government dominated. Healthcare sounds good. If soon followed by a counter-reformation. <laughs> well, reformations do tend to be followed by a counter-reformation, so good for you. Uh, thank you for those of you who are saying a great job with... Uh, well, it says Iggy Pop. Yeah, it says Iggy Pop. Uh, I, it's not the Iggy Pop, but it says Iggy Pop. Uh, and thank you for those of you uh, who've been active here. I, I've seen Tom's cigars literally on fire, but I'm not sure what he was responding to. And uh, he was upset that we didn't do any striking back, Susan. He wanted uh -oh. to see some strike backs up there. So That's because I wasn't um, here. There was a call. Well, there were some opportunities in there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I thought it was better to keep so it. So you lit a fire under him today. I missed the first half. So. Yeah. Well, somebody got uh, Tom's going. I, 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 you blocked a lot of the No, people. I meant the doctor. Dr. Bhattacharya, yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you on Clubhouse. I hope that was an interesting conversation for you all. We're going to end this room. Uh,
And uh, for everybody else, we have Alex Berenson on Monday, and we have. Uh, I hope. <laughs> uh, we th- oh, is he flaking? No, on us? I don't know. I and uh, I think Caleb was going to reach out to Michelle and make have sure her double it. check. Okay, and Vinay Prasad on Tuesday. It, look, if it's just Vinay Prasad, I'm very happy. Uh, uh, Alex is a shit stirrer, and it'd be interesting to hear what his positions are. Again, yeah, I, we I just like have to make sure. I'll tell you what, if you can't get Alex in here, bring Kelly Victory. She will do the same thing. Uh, <laughs> so we can get our YouTube channel revoked? Or we can just be over on Rumble. We're due for a strike like a, now. Yeah. It's it's a, a get a strike for Christmas here. <laughs> Caleb feels like we're We've not in We've been talking right to zone. doctors about it. So, so uh, Susan, anything else for you? Uh, want to say goodbye to BB? I just want to <laughs> say I had a horrible day out of trying to find a, some a vet to look at my dog really bad yeah so weird but you but you but some people that have been the vet people had been on this show right or they were on a podcast with well us. i called air vet those the that's the company we had on we interviewed yeah because i've been calling them i called them a couple times during covid yep but i don't know what happened to my vet like it used to be like a little you know you could just walk in with your mm-hmm. vet your dog or whatever but maybe they're just understaffed now and then i they gave me a list of other emergency vet places, but you have to wait in your car for six hours. Well, what, it's like a hospital. No, forget it. And what, I guess if your dog was just hit by a truck, they'll let you go in the front of the line or something. I don't know. What but, did air vets say? Uh, Pepto-Bismol. So they were very ho- helpful, right? Yeah, he was helpful. All right, so there you go. He, I, but it's weird because like, I don't, I guess I need to have a regular vet for the dogs now because I kind of put it off for a couple years. Mm-hmm. They've been so healthy. But um, I don't think it would make any difference. But he didn't the, throw up in the car once, so I figured right. he was okay. I, I don't think it would make any difference on the day before Thanksgiving. You I just I mean? I when you Google it, it says if you if your dog is vomiting blood or it has foamy, gooey, blah blah blah. Yes, you got to take him to a vet and have him seen right away. So I said, okay, I'll do it. Couldn't get in anywhere. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. It's like. It's like uh, socialized medicine now. <laughs> it's really, really weird. And and you know, there's people with their animals are dying. I don't I don't want to cut in front of them, right. obviously, no, no, but no, no. he's fine. It's just really like and then he went out to sniff all the dog pee, you know. Of course, of course. he won't pee in public, but um <laughs> And they saw yeah, him running he around. His, he has certain standards, Susan. They, standards. He, he, they saw him running around all healthy and everything. Yeah. They're like, he's not an emergency. I'm like, I know he's not, but I can't get into the, my regular vet. Right. Like, I don't even know if they exist anymore. Well, Caleb, happy Thanksgiving. It's the baby's first Thanksgiving. You got any special plans for that? Oh, uh, he's going to see the family. He's, it's, he's just going to, everyone's just Excellent. going to love him and everything. The usual. No doubt. No Gee. doubt. Well, thank you for everything. I'm grateful for both of you guys. I'm grateful for those of you that uh, join us on these streams. We're grateful for BB and her enthusiasm. We appreciate that yeah, very much. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving Happy to Thanksgiving, everybody. everybody. I just it's, you. Keep, keep a gratitude list in your head. That, that, nothing can be more important than that at times like this. It, it'll keep you sane. It'll keep you, feel, you know, kind of keep your oar in the water and keep your rudder directed in the right direction. And keep the Pepto-Bismol on hand. And for the dogs, keep the Pepto-Bismol. And yourself. Um, more Gaviscon for the humans. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why the Pepto-Bismol for the dog, but uh, I would say Gaviscon. Yeah, he's a vet. I'm, I'm not a vet. So, and Rex will eat all that stuff. We don't have to worry about it. Uh, and right. uh, some of you, uh, we're going to try to get uh, Robert Paul Champagne in here. So let me know if Are you have we? any luck getting RPC. I, I'd be happy. Well, apparently he wants to. When are we going to do that? Wait, well, say maybe we the week him. after next. I will interview him for this show. So he doesn't have to do a long interview. Just kind of come say hi, check in with him, see how he's doing. So if uh, right. Casey, anybody else, if you have any. And then uh, I think Aaron Carter wants in too now. Yeah, Aaron Carter just had a baby and he's. But I been, think we're going to do a pre-tape on that. So, I, 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 listen, I can't do I, the I, trolls for hours. Aaron. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm not Aaron's doctor. Jets. I don't want to treat Aaron. I'm happy to be a resource for him and help him, but I'm interested in hearing about him. Hearing I, what's going I was on. on his Instagram live. I woke up at 5.30 in the morning and I saw him with his baby on Instagram live mm. and I took a picture of it and I said, oh, congratulations, you know. Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh, is that Drew's wife? And I I think so. And And then... He goes, oh, it is. And he pinned me, but I was just like, it's so cute. He had a baby, but you don't want to piss him off. He's, he'll block you. <laughs> well, I'm He's not, like me. He has I, a lot, I, we have a lot in common. But So look, the guy's living his life. It's good for him. I, 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 you know, well, I, and it's hard because like when you put, when you say something on Instagram or tweet or whatever, it, your voice may not really be coming through. It might sound like you're being sarcastic or mean. Well, you don't do that to that guy. He just goes, you're blocked, and he blocks you. <laughs> but he's tired of it. He's tired of being a famous person. It's pretty funny. I mean, it was a really sincere, cute moment. And and he did talk, say nice things about Drew. He said that you tried to help him when he was 21 yeah, and yeah. come on Celebrity Rehab. And I, I wasn't, hey, look, it, well, happy to just He liked what himself. you said about him. And yeah. hey, it was, look, he's, I, he, he got very thoughtful about it. And yeah. I know he has a new baby. So maybe now's the time to really think seriously about his sobriety, you know, and, uh, that's and up really to him. invest. That is entirely up to him. And maybe I mean, he's already thinking seriously about it. I, I, I imagine he here, is. Here we is all, the, here we is all a, do that when we have Matthew 7, 1 through 3, King James Version. Matthew 7, 1 through 3, everybody. I want this to be our new mantra in this country. Judge not that ye be not judged. It's that simple. It's true. Judge not. I mean, everybody. I'm not perfect, you know. I had three kids. Judge I had to change not. my life. This this world of judging, stop it. It's yeah. in the scriptures. Matthew 7, 1 through 3, King James Version. Judge not that ye not judge not that ye be not judged. And get a fucking life. Well, it's like, who, who amongst <laughs> us is uh, that was who amongst us was Jesus's version of that? I know. Who amongst I us? Know. So, well, that's my version. All right, so uh, off we go, everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving, uh, Caleb. We're going to wrap this up, and we thank you so much, and we will see you on Monday. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.